Welcome, Mindful Parents. My name is Yulia. I'm an executive function coach, and I work with families to help them create better systems for getting along and getting stuff done. And I'm here today with my friend, Lynn Davison. And Lynn, I'm going to give you an opportunity to introduce yourself. And we're going to dive into the topic today about parenting and boil down parenting into one concrete action. And I'm excited to have this conversation because I've been connecting with different experts to get their um, beliefs about this subject and get their perspective. And what's really exciting so far is when we get to the end, when we boil down parenting to one concrete action, what's exciting is everyone's pretty much getting to the same conclusion in different words or in different ways, but everyone's kind of saying the same thing. And that is really confirming this idea of parenting uh, and how important it is. And while we're not saying it's easy, we're saying it can be more simple. Okay, so um, I'll leave it there. And Lynn, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you and what you do and how you got here. Oh, well, thanks. That's great. I'm a life coach and I specialize in helping moms and dads of young adults with autism craft a life they love that works. I've got uh, six children, several are on the spectrum. Um, they range in age from 22 to 50. So I've been doing this for a while and I developed a system and a course that explains how to make it all work. That's so cool. I could talk about that alone for a whole hour, but we're going to have other interviews uh, to do that. We're going to jump straight into the topic because I know parents want to hear. And before we talk about what is parenting look like, what's that one concrete action, how can we define it? I want to start with this idea of the goal. What is how would you describe the goal of parenting? And this might be something that you help your clients do. Well, um, when interviewing high school seniors on the spectrum, 80% believe that they will be independent. Today, 25% of um, young adults on the spectrum are independent, 20, 25% of 30 year olds. So there's a gap there between what they believe can happen and what is actually happen, happening. And I'm here to, to help the parents close that gap. The idea is that we both are working toward the same goal, the parent and the child, because we realize that our runway isn't infinite and we want our children to be as self-reliant and capable as they can be um, or able to be resourceful with the resources that they need. I like that. I love the visual of the runway. <laughs> and I feel like the parents I meet, they really understand that concept. They know they're not going to be around forever and that at some point they're going to need to pull back a little bit and allow their kids to test their wings <laughs> to continue the, the visual. But uh, I know that causes a lot of fear for parents. Um, and a lot of times their actions, what how they choose to parent, sometimes it's driven by that fear that, oh my gosh, the runway's short and we don't have that much time. And uh, I'm not sure if my child is ready to do this on their own. How would you define that type of independence? What are some of these skills that they need in order to truly be independent? Well, the answer to that question is so personal because everyone on the spectrum has a, you know, has a unique set of needs. I think, though, it all boils down to one thing, and that is that when it's really hard, it's because we've stopped believing it's possible. And so we need to move from it's impossible to it's possible to it's inevitable. And you'll notice all those beliefs. You can imagine how the sh thoughts shift bet between those three stages. And what I'm here to do is to suggest that we need to both parent and child needs to look at their thoughts, figure out what emotions those are inspiring, and then what actions come from those emotions and therefore what results we're creating. So if we start at the thought part, and actually if we start and really just look at the facts, then move to the thoughts, um, we'll see that there are more options there than we initially thought. 
and we initially believed. And that's what will help us move from, from impossible to possible to inevitable. That's really interesting way to frame it. And what I'm hearing is the initial step is just the belief that you can do it. And I can, I can see that for the parent and for the child. So the alignment of that idea that we are working together and there's, we both need to first shift the belief that we can do it. So to zoom back a little bit about what we're talking about, what is the goal of parenting? And ultimately it's to get your kids to the point where when they're an adult, uh, that they have the ability to be independent. And what that means is that they believe that both parent and child believe that that is possible. Mm-hmm. And not only that it is possible, but that it is inevitable. Right. That it's going to happen. It it's is. not just uh, that we believe it is, but we really buy the idea that it is yeah. inevitable. And we work toward that with a determination, it sounds like, that this is going to happen. I'm doing it now and I'm going to take the steps forward. Exactly. Because it's okay if you're in that impossible place right now, because that's where we all start. And what's really important is that we identify the thoughts that are and the actions that are there. And then what can we move a little? What can we wiggle a little that will help us move to the next, you know, just one little step. I mean, that's what life is, is just living each day, one day at a time. So all we need to do is identify what are the next, what's the next, very next thing we need to do. Not, you know, how are we going to move from having him totally dependent or her totally dependent and, and not making any money and have no future prospects and, and not knowing how to manage, not all those questions, because there's plenty of those, the how. We just have to let go of knowing the how and realize that that's just part of the process is we just don't know the how when we're in impossible. And then when we move to possible, we're starting to figure it out. And when we're inevitable, we got it. We just have to do it. I like that. I love this because it's setting up this idea that in order to do this thing uh, well, (laughs) I was going to say right, but I had to check myself. (laughs) In order to parent well, and in order to get your child to the point where they can be independent, and in order to even start with that first step of shifting the belief from this is impossible to it's possible to inevitable, the first, um, this important idea that you don't have to know how that's going to happen yet. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay if you don't know how, because even you and I, when we're working with parents, we don't come in there with all the details already preset. The idea it sounds like is everybody's how is unique. Yes. Very. And what the work we're doing, whether you're a parent or a coach working with a family is, is taking the pressure away from the how and saying, oh, that's what we're going to figure out together. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to be very specific and individual. And in my case, I believe your case too, there's some trial and error there. Oh, a lot of it. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of it. A lot of it. And a lot of things are going to come up. You know, a lot of scary feelings, a lot of, you know, feelings we don't necessarily want to share, like resentment. There may be some shame going on. But all that, if we can, if we can, if we can get that together and solve those problems and find those emotions and, and, and hear them and all together, then, then we're going to be okay. It's really, it's really okay to feel all that and to think all that. It really is. Because once we know what it is, then we can find something that works better. Mm -hmm. And I think what you and I both experience a lot is that process of coming together and sharing the emotions, the beliefs, uh, the feelings. The sense that I get uh, with the families I work with is um, uh, that they feel connected uh, once we do that because they actually we as humans, as people, 
experience similar feelings of shame and resentment and fear. And once all that is on the table, we feel like more understood, more connected with each other. We can accept each other a little more and understand each other a little better. So it seems like almost before we can get any of this type of work done and start taking that action, the first thing we want to do is get on the same page and connect in the fact that all of us are sharing this experience that we really don't have it all figured out and we're doing the best that we can and we're struggling with these emotions and these doubts and these thoughts and that we're not that different from each other. Really not. Yeah, that the parent and the child, you know, it doesn't really take too much for the parent to go back and remember what it was like back then when the how was not at all clear, Mm -hmm. especially for our kids who have extraordinary brains. You know, they're not necessarily tracking from an age and behavior standpoint with their peers. So it's like they they took a segue. They're over here and it's a little different. So the map of what to do, the traditional map is just not going to fit. I mean, it didn't fit them during their school years. We can't expect it to work for them during their young adult and and adult years. So we just have to be willing to say, okay, let's let's hold space for each other. Let's be there for each other. Let's, Let's let it all be okay. And then we'll figure out what the very next thing to do is. And we'll do, you know, we'll, we'll support you. We'll do what we can, says the parents. I'll try this. Um, we'll see what happens, says the child. And the two of them together said, we'll solve whatever problems come up. We know we, we can do this. Yeah. And I like that you're framing it as it's a team and that we can do it. Uh, which brings me to this idea that, you know, the goal of parenting is to help your child become independent, independently successful, to be able to design a life for themselves that they're happy with and that they can manage. Um, but I want to take a couple steps back and talk about this idea of independence. You and I agree that independence doesn't mean a hundred percent total self-reliance. It can't be. None of us are. I'm not totally right. self, I mean, I'm relying on thousands of people to execute my life every day. Mm-hmm. You know, we are very lucky that we have all those resources, that we don't just, you know, live in a in a cave somewhere and, you know, have to create everything ourselves. We're all inter- interdependent. And, you know, just to some degree or another, we're better able to access the resources that other people offer. Right. And why why I feel it's really important to talk about the interdependence is because sometimes uh, the the parents I'm working with and the the young adults especially, the fear is that if they don't learn all these skills right now and are Mm -hmm. able to do this on their own without anyone helping them, then they're not going to be ready. And what Mm -hmm. I want to do is pull back a little bit from that idea because the skills are important. It's important to be able to self-motivate and manage yourself and self-regulate. That's important. But from personal experience, uh, I know that if I do not have a skill, if I can't do something on my own, I'm going to seek support from a relationship, Mm -hmm. uh, from someone whom I know or someone whom I can reach out to. And I need to have the ability to create reliable relationships with other people and become interdependent and not see that as a weakness in myself that I need help, but as part of the solution. So many times parents want to focus on the skills rather than focus on the relationship. And one thing I want to reinforce in this conversation is when we can create the type of relationships between parents and kids and the family where we can get along and listen to each other and help each other, I believe that's one of the most important ways we can help our child become independent because we're giving them the experience of connecting and being able to ask for help and relying on on someone else, which is, I believe, if, if I have to categorize and label all the life skills, that's the one at the top. So mm. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. 
Mm-hmm. So I, what I would like to think about is, I take this complex thing called life and I break it into 10 systems. And I start with the first one and I work through all 10. And the first one is finances. So in your example, finances um, includes being able to earn steadily and, and um, invest wisely and you know the, the, the components of finances. Now, where am I gonna learn how to do all that? Well, there's a, you know, if you try to go to the internet and ask those questions, you'll be there for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can find a guide. And there are guides that do this specifically for people on the, on the autism spectrum. That's what they do. They specifically help you with that. And I'm sure that they will assess wherever you are in that area and figure out what you need to do, what you already know how to do, and then what you need to know how to do next. And I, we just do that through all the 10 systems. And it really takes it from this amorphous, oh my God, what am I gonna do with the rest of my life to what do I want next in each one of those systems? And the power of next, the power of reaching for that next thing is what drives all of us forward. That also relates well to the parents who are also who are saying, wait a second, I spent my first third of my life in school, my second third of my life parenting, and now I'm in my third third of life, my third trimester, and I'm still parenting. So how do I get to my third third? Because that's I've got stuff there that I want to do. Well, the answer is the same. You go through each system and you decide what do you want next? You know, what do you need to do? Um, to help your child in the area of finances? And then what do you want to do in the area of finances? And if you find that next, those next things, it becomes so much more, um, you can put your arms around it and get it done. I think what you're saying is uh, we go from this abstract notion of what we want and make it really concrete. And part of the way I think both you and I do that is talking about baby steps. Yeah. So the next little step forward. And I think that's important because then when you can create a bounded step and a task, it's measurable. You could do it within a certain amount of time. It's Mm -hmm. this big, not this big. Then the belief is possible that I can do this. I'm not sure if I can do that whole thing and manage this whole thing right now, but I can do this right now. And that calms me down a bit and allows me to take that next step. It moves you from the impossible to the possible. You know when you're impossible in the impossible stage, when you're going, what do I do? Where do I go? What's supposed to happen next? Uh, let me try this. Oh, no, let me try that. You know that you're in the impossible stage. When you move to the possible stage, you say, I'm pretty confident this is the next thing I need to do. And then when you move to the, yeah. So each one of its stages, each one of the stages has its challenges. But um, moving from impossible to possible is a matter of identifying um, pretty if trying a bunch of stuff and figuring out what works and then systematizing it. Love that. Yeah. So I'm just I'm gonna continue to pull back a little bit and and figure out where we've gotten so far because the destination for our talk today is boiling down parenting into one concrete action. And now we have the goal outlined pretty well. The goal is that we need to be able to help kids to become independent uh, and create a life that they can manage it that they're happy with and what that doesn't mean is that they should be able to do this totally on their own right and part of that process is uh, creating the type of relationship where they feel safe and comfortable to come to us for help, that we can uh, be, become interdependent and practice that because they're going to need other people, especially if they have, um, all of us have certain limits to what we are able to do on our own. And it's up to us to figure out individually the how. So if your how uh, depends on someone else with an expertise for something, mm-hmm. that's part of the plan so that we don't feel like we have to be able to to do this on on our own. I know personally there's no way I will ever be able to do my taxes on my own. I accept that and I will hire a person to do that every will feel single time. Every single time. I don't have to worry my about my whole it. adult life since well maybe since the first year when I did the easy form. After that, I always found an, it just you know, why? Yeah, I don't you know, I don't know what I could do wrong. I have no clue. So yes, that's a great example. 
Perfect. Even going to your banker and saying, you know, here's my child, he needs some independence, he needs to establish a credit record, what's your first recommendation? Right. Right there. Love yeah. it. Yeah. So interdependence is a part of independence, and yes. that's where we want to, to move that mindset uh, because we want to make sure the goal that you have as a parent is attainable. Yeah is attainable and, and, and works with how the world works. So, yes. Yes. Um, so now moving toward this idea of parenting, this definition of parenting and how do we simplify it? Because right now in the modern world, you know, you talked about having 10 systems. That's that number. That's a big number. Like, to, to go through each one, there's certain steps within them. And it seems like parents are juggling a lot. Mm -hmm. It seems like life is complex and adult life is, is, is hard and difficult. And there's lots of things to, to juggle and keep in the air. And parents, you know, say a lot that it's overwhelming to this idea that I need to teach my child so much and uh, they need see. to be able to do so much. That's the mistake they're making right there. They need to, if in any way possible, take that monkey off of their back mm -hmm. and put it on their child. Mm. And that's because there is no way they could know what their child really wants. They really, there's no way we can know what another person wants. So we have to enable, we have to give our, ch our child the responsibility for defining what they want. And in most cases, they'll jump at it. And the easiest way I start that, I started that was I interviewed my children in each of those 10 areas and asked them what had they created so that they were aware that they were already capable. Mm -hmm. And then what did they want next? And then what are they willing to do to get it? Those three questions. And I interviewed them. I was the scribe. I did not, I promise that I did my very best not to say, ooh, or ah, or ooh. <laughs> yes, I tried to, I tried to hold the space in a very difficult way. <laughs> yes, you know, get encouraging words so that I understood where they were coming from. Mm -hmm. And because you cannot take on the responsibility for your life and another person's, it's just not going to work in the long run. You know, Say that one more time for the parents who believe it is their responsibility to live their child's life or to hold their goals and their responsibility on their back. No, I know. I see it so often because we've been doing it. You know, we've been arranging for the IEPs and the and the OTs and the PTs and the STs and the all the, you know, we've been arranging for all that for up till the time that they graduated from high school and then, or did whatever they do, aged out of the system. And now, you know, we can't do it anymore for them because that's the whole idea is that all those, all that scaffolding, all that support has gone away. And it's, it's a good thing. Sometimes people go, oh, you know, I aged out, but no, it's actually a good thing because it forces us to look at what, what do we want and what does our child want and how can we make that happen? And the child gonna... has to start defining it because you cannot, you cannot do it for them. I'm gonna throw some objections at you. This is yes. what I hear from parents. Here, okay. But if I stop, if I stop doing everything for them, it's gonna be like pulling the floor out from under them and they're gonna crash. And then I'm gonna be left to pick up the pieces. I'm gonna be left to rebuild their self-esteem and all this stuff and they need me and I cannot let go. I understand what you are saying. I agree with what you're saying. I can't let go because without me, they are incapable of surviving. They will fail. They need me. I'm stuck. Okay. So that's, I, I hear you because that's scary. So now you're, you're being motivated by fear. And I just want you to start with the thought of it's possible that there are parts of their lives that they can figure out. And let's look at each of the at le each of the systems, figure out where they are, and then where they can what they can do next. It's not suggesting to totally, you know, say, hey, you're on your own, you're 21, you must leave, you know, 
here's your first month's rent. Um, maybe that'll work with an NT, with a neurotypical, but um, it, with a lot of the kids, you, no. <laughs> no, it's not going to work. But if you say, okay, let's look at each part. Now, which part, where do you want to go? And what can you do to make that happen? That's different from saying, I'm not going to help you anymore. It really is saying, let's, let's take, let's tease apart the pieces of the puzzle and work on one piece at a time. I'll, I'll, I'll follow that up. I like your answer. I'll follow it up with one thing that I, I notice sometimes when parents are in fear. Yes. Uh, that the first time that their child is given a bit of that responsibility and they mess up somehow, mm -hmm. things don't go to plan, which I believe and I think you believe too is an important part of the whole process. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I see parents seeing that mess up, that first slip up as proof. Right. That they were right all along and proof that they cannot trust their child to do this on their own and proof that it's their responsibility to prevent the mishap. So Lynn, how can we help parents understand that, that they need to actually slip in order to know what it feels like to fall and, and hit their head on the floor and then get back up and try again? Yeah, well, you know, what's happening with the parent is perfectly normal. It's the brain finding the evidence to prove the thought. And that's what we do all the time. Our brains love to be right. And we love to know what's happening because it makes life more predictable. And that requires less energy. And that's the whole purpose of our brain is to conserve our energy. So that's why our brain is always looking for all the reasons that we're, that we're right. But that's why we need to really look at our thoughts. If we're believing that it's impossible for them to be independent, we'll just continue to prove that thought over and over again, finding all the evidence that we need. But if we can just shift it an itty bitty teeny bit to it's possible that my child can take parts of their lives and drive it themselves, then that hopefully is a believable thought and it's a thought that we will find evidence for. And as you said, the how, the doing part um, is we've just got to do it until we get it right. I, I got to go to the Mr. Rogers um, movie this weekend and I, I didn't realize he'd written that song, you've got to do it, do it, do it, do it. You know, I, I don't know. But the message was you got to do it until you get it right. And, you know, if he's a priest, I mean, he is a he's a hero. And he was right on on that message. We've got to do it, do it, do it and fail and do it and, fail, and not see failure as a, as a stopping point, but the beginning of another do it. Mm -hmm. And I, I really believe that our kids will start you know, as they as they do it and fail and see that you're not freaking out and leaving them, you know, shameful and whatever, that, that you're holding the space for them to make that mistake, that they will then figure out what the next step is. So and what we do, what, just let me, before I forget this idea, what we do is we systematize that because we take a walk every day. And mm -hmm. that's, that's when we talk about things. But that's, you got to do it, but you've also got to connect systematically. That you cannot leave that connection piece to chance. So when this happens, uh, you're saying the, the way to mitigate the repercussions and to not go back in that old pattern of, oh my gosh, this is reinforcing my negative belief and I can't trust you, that the connection piece is really, really important, especially then, and to do that very consistently as part of the system, because without that, then you're on completely different pages. Absolutely. It's not, you can't be, you, we just have to check in with each other on a regular basis. You have to have a family huddle, a team huddle, or, you know, just a, a mom kid huddle, whatever, dad kid huddle, whatever it is, and let them be where they are. Because the shame will only exist in the dark, but if they bring it to us and share it with us, the shame will go away and they will feel empowered to do it again, to try again. Wonderful. I like that idea. So, um, I like the idea of doing it. Uh, it. It's so concrete what you're talking about. It's it's taking a walk and connecting. And again, my brain is thinking about like, oh, that's doable. If if we're if we're talking about, well, we need to build trust and heal this relationship maybe because it's been so strained. Uh, that seems like this huge elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. um, but if we can boil it down to a concrete action, and that is to connect 
And people forget that connection isn't just, uh, you know, your kid walks through the door and you're, you're telling them something as they walk by and, okay, we had the conversation, it's stop. Take yourself out of that normal kind of routine and element, you know, and sit and, and talk and be physically um, near each other and together and listen and, and hold that space. And Lynn, I want to say something about that is for many parents, and I think, again, this is just part of the experience and there's nothing wrong with this, but it's very uncomfortable to connect in this way where if their pattern is that their connections have been very strained, perceived as very negative, and where when they listen to what their child is saying, they have this urge, this need, this impulse to correct or fix a certain belief or mindset or action. And parents tell me, I want to be able to just listen quietly and like what you do is regulate your own response to it and, and really be patient and, and listen to understand. But I just have this urge, It's and I'm sure it comes from fear, maybe some <laughs> resentment mixed in there, that you're not hearing what you want, this isn't working the way you thought it would, and it's so deeply uncomfortable to hold that space. So what I advise, because this is very much um, a part of being on the autism spectrum, is that we they have to, yeah, that our kids, anyone with an autistic brain has to manage the inputs into their brain because they process them differently. And so face-to-face -face is not the best way. The best way is side-by-side. -side. Okay. And I learned this when my son and I would, um, we live on the Erie Canal, and we would take bike rides, and he would talk the entire time. This is a child that, that's an introvert and hardly ever spoke. But if we were riding our bikes side-by-side, -side, he would tell me everything. And thank goodness it was on the canal, so you didn't have to worry too much about, you know, stop signs and all that. Right. So that that gave me the clue that I really needed to, to ritualize a side-by-side -side discussion. That the sitting down at the, at the dinner table, not the best time. Too many expectations around that dinner table thing. Mm -hmm. It's really, it's gotta be a side-by-side -side either in the car, on a bicycle, or walking. Any of those side-by-side -side discussions are the times to do it. And, and that has made a huge difference, but that's the regularity. It's not the intensity, it's the consistency of these conversations so that they know that they're safe with you. I mean, I've lost my cool on a couple of these, you know, walks and, and, and I've corrected myself and apologized for that. And, and my son and my daughters have, have lost their cool too. And they've, you know, it's okay. We've made mistakes together, yet we know we can still come together and mm -hmm. do that side-by-side -side walking. That face-to-face -face doesn't always work well. That's a great tip. I know personally I'll be implementing it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> because you're right. Some families um, can handle it and they've had more practice and it's okay. Um, and sometimes what I'll do is we'll be looking at uh, an image or something we wrote or drew so that it's not so direct so that right. when the attention is off of you to a third thing, I've noticed that that really allows people to connect actually better. So this idea that you have to be making eye contact or sitting yeah. across from each other, that your shoulders are aligned, that's not necessarily uh, necessary even or you know, in order to connect. That's, I think that's really cool because sometimes we idealize certain things. Mm. Uh, like families say, well, we don't have dinner every night all together around the, the dining room table. And maybe there's a belief that that's what family looks like or should. that's what other people do. And yeah. we should be doing it. And that's why we have all these problems, you know, like, but what I'm hearing is, no, what, what works, works. And it's okay to, to, you know, kind of drop all these expectations yeah. and make it work for you. Just um, experiment again, do it and try it and see what works. You know, this, the walk with the dog worked really well for us. The riding down the Erie Canal, the rides to work, um, the rides from work, um, all those, because we don't have, you know, a car per child here. We only have one car <laughs> per, actually one car for three people. And so we share. And, you know, I used to look at that as a, oh, my gosh, what a, you know, what, what a horrible thing to have to share a car. And now I realize that it's actually a, a great gift. Awesome. I love that. 
Okay. We got, we jumped into the details a little bit, which is great because there's a lot of little nuggets uh, that you can pull out here in terms of practicing some of this stuff and making it really practical and concrete. And by no means uh, are either of us talking about this process as a very clean, neat process where we're both saying it's messy. We're acknowledging the fact that we're human. We're going to mess up. Uh, we're going to lose our cool, not be able to um, maybe follow all the right steps. But that's part of the process too, messing up and trying new stuff. So um, we we zoomed into the forest and we're, we were in the trees for a while. And now I want us to um, get on a rocket ship, blast off to the moon, <laughs> and settle down in our little moon armchairs with our pina coladas. Oh, sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and take a look back at Earth and notice how tiny it is from this perspective and how calm and peaceful it is and really take a, a look from afar and try to simplify what is this thing we call parenting if it's not your responsibility to be responsible for your child's life and tell them what to do and teach them everything how how to do this how to do that if that's not your responsibility, if what it actually looks like, it's more collaborative mm -hmm. and there's certain steps you want to take together in order to get them to the next step and in order to get them to the point where they could be independent and interdependent and build relationships and ask for help. If that's the idea behind it, and there's obviously lots of little things to do there. If we take this removed look from a distance, how can we really boil down this idea of parenting into one concrete action that's going to help us really simplify it? And so like when we're doing something and it's in the parenting aspect, we could test, oh, am I doing this one thing that is the goal here? Uh, this am I taking this concrete action and we can kind of figure out if we're, we're aligned to it because from that starting point it's it's going to take lots of different forms but as long as we start from this idea of parenting uh, then we know we're moving in the right direction we're on the right track hopefully that wasn't too <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I mean to answer my my opinion is that we just the one thing we always have to do is connect that's it. Because if we can connect, then we can understand. And if we can understand, then we can empower. I love that. So I want to dive into this idea of connection and make it very concrete. Because the idea connection, um, what does that look like? It might be different. But what does it feel like? What should connection feel like? When are you truly connected? Love. It feels like love. It feels like unconditional love. That's what it feels like. It feels like you're just pouring out love. <laughs> so it feels like. <laughs> what does it not feel like? Let's let's it really feel like it. judgment. It doesn't feel like um, power. It it doesn't it doesn't feel like um, a measuring stick. It feels like unconditional love that's just flowing, and that you and the child can both feel it. And you're, you know, you know, no matter what, you're going to love each other. And I wonder, you know, if parents listening to this right now and thinking to themselves, well, that sounds great. Yeah. Easy to say. <laughs> That's easy to say. That sounds great. But if they don't get their act together, then all the love in the planet won't help them do X, Y, Z. Some parents are very concerned about if I just accept what they're doing right now, who they are right now, uh, that's and and just be in the you know and just pour unconditional love, then that's gonna say to my kid that it's okay what you're doing and reinforce maybe some of these negative habits. Does that make sense when I'm saying that? Yeah, yeah. But unless and you know, unless we love them, they won't listen to us. 
that's the bottom line. Because who do we pay most attention to? The people that we love, that we identify with, that we, you know, that's who we pay attention to. We're going to avoid the people that don't love us because we don't like what the message is that they're sending us. So without the love, they're not going to listen. And and so, yeah, no, it's not it's not that you give them carte blanche for Christ's sake. You know, that's why we're parents. But we have to first love them to open the door so that they understand and we understand what they want and then empower them to take the next step. And it may be this a step that we don't agree with, but they have to see the consequences of those actions, too. We have to. We have to. Otherwise, um, you know, they'll cut us off. And then where are you? We've seen enough of that. How many families do we know of where people aren't speaking? What yeah. good is that? That doesn't do any good. That doesn't help anybody get where we want them to go. So, uh, so Lynn, I'm hearing you about the love and about the unconditional love. It's not that your child has to be a certain way in order for you to love them. That's it. That the love it's not is an if-then clause. Yeah, the if-then is not going to work. And that's conditional, right? If you do right. this and that. Um, so the love has to be there before we can do all this other stuff, because if we're not connected, then our kid is not going to allow us to influence them. Right. So in the last few minutes that we have, let's boil down unconditional love into as much as possible, uh, a concrete action. How can parents show unconditional love? What does it look like? What might be a concrete action where we can define it a little more specifically? Well, I just go back to the, the talk, the, the regular scheduled connection times where we listen and reflect and hold space for what's going on with them. And it's less, it's more embracing than it is shaping. It's mm. just more, you know, I love you. Let me hear what's going on. And less, this is what I think you should do. I mean, we can offer suggestions. And I don't mean to be passive. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying, you know, and let me offer that if you do that, you know, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Just, you know, is a good example of let me offer that to you. But um, it's not, so it's less shaping and more letting them shape themselves. It really mm -hmm just have to we really just have to do that even though it's scary for us it really is about listening and holding the space and and stepping away from the judgments and um you know letting them take the lead on a piece just a piece <laughs> and letting them see what happens and then the more that they build trust that you'll be there for them regardless then bigger pieces and more pieces can be opened up and experimented with. I'll just throw one more objection at you. Sure. Because again, Lynn, what you're saying sounds great. It sounds great, but we're running out of time. Oh, now my, there's my child only has <laughs> My child only has X amount of time before whatever. And if we don't get this done right now, that sounds great, Lynn. But if we don't get this done right now, then we're screwed. And then I'm left with the bill or picking up the pieces or, you know, um, that this is nice, but we don't have time for this stuff. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And we've done, we've done that. We've done that. We've said you have to do it by this time. And we've done that. And what we have always found is that we end up paying in the long run. <laughs> So when we try to force, it just, it's, you know, before they're ready, it, it's just, it's not going to work in the long run. You're going to end up paying in the long run. So it really, it does pay to have, you know, to give them the space to learn and to go forward and to take it piece by piece. Really, it's, it's really the only possible way because it's not just about saving money or saving time or hitting a milestone or whatever. It's all, it's mostly about our relationship. I mean, that's what we really, we want to love our kids till the day we die. We want them to feel our love till the day that we die. And uh, I don't know any other way to do that, but to give them space. Got it. So to summarize, 
Your child is their own human individual with their own agenda, their own drive, and with their thoughts and their beliefs and their wants and their needs. It's okay not to have all the hows figured out and that the fastest way to get them to independence is ironically to slow down, mm -hmm. drop the expectation, focus on connection. And so the one concrete action that defines parenting in a way that we can wrap our arms around, in a way that makes it more simple, is connection. Mm -hmm. And to boil that down even further, the one of the best ways to connect is to go on a walk or sit in a car and be side by side with each other and be a non-judgmental ear and get to the point where on a regular consistent basis doesn't have to be that you sit for an hour and sit across from each other and stare each other in the eyes and bare your soul it's just every day, little by little, prioritize listening without judgment, creating a safe space where your child doesn't feel any shame from you, doesn't feel like they have to fix anything or that you're trying to mold them, but they understand and they trust that you're going to listen to them and allow them to express themselves openly and authentically. And they're going to feel more connected with you because of that. And if you hear something in that conversation, in that moment that freaks you out, <laughs> uh, it's even okay if, if you freak out a little bit. Yeah. And, and you've got to be messy. authentic too for them to right. feel, you know, yes, yes. I, and and you can say to them, part. look, I expect you to give us $300 a month for your, you know, for your car and your cell phone. Those now let's talk about how that's going to work right. because it's not appropriate for you to be making money at this job and spending it all on yourself because we're supporting you. So here's, here's the, here's the boundary. Mm -hmm. And now, okay, what do you think? You know, what do you, how is that going to, you know, the cell phone is this, the, the, you know, the car and the gas and the insurance and the repairs are that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're living at home, yeah, that should be part of what you give us every month, because if you weren't here, we wouldn't be paying those expenses. It's okay to to set a goal to get, you know, you can be the one that says this has to happen. That's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. How you get there is something you need to work on together. Okay. So again, the, the concrete process. First, connect mm -hmm. unconditional love listen without judgment, really try to understand what your child wants, what their ideas are, what their plans are. And once that piece is kind of there and it's consistent and they feel safe and they trust you and you really get to the point where you understand each other, that's going to open the door for you to collaborate with each right. other where you as the parent set the expectation and a boundary that's your role and th that's the the why right share your values why we're doing this and then what it is that's your role and then the how part is what you design together yes. with giving them the ability to test out their uh their ideas their independence and then coming back consistently Consistent. to again listen without the judgment to learn and grow and understand and then do do the thing again okay that's the expectation let's collaborate and figure out the solution so there's this process um that ebbs and flows and what you're and it is absolutely uh based in connection yes you need that in order for it to work because right. when if you're reconnecting and that it is in a energy or space of judgment and trying to control and overpower and direct then the system doesn't work yeah in that case it's usually just you trying to make yourself feel better mm. it's really not believing together that this pos this future is possible it's really just if I just if I just decide what needs to be done, I'll feel better. 
And that's one-sided. Right. That's too one-sided. We have to decide together what needs to be done. Do it, do it, do it, and keep working toward it so that we can pa get past the impossible to the possible to the inevitable. I love that's that. Works. <laughs> that is a great place to wrap it up. Lynn Davison, um, can you share how people can find you um, and what type of support do you provide? I have a web, uh, I have a Facebook page called When Autism Grows Up, and you can always reach me at Lynn at Lynn C. Davison. That's C as in coach, D-A-V-I-S-O-N.com. Wonderful. And I'll make sure to link uh, that in the description. And uh, I just want to say it's been a pleasure, not just this conversation, but you and I have the opportunity to speak uh, every few weeks. And um, it's been wonderful to get your perspective and your systems and uh, some of these little tips that, that you use with your clients. So this has been a, a great exchange of ideas. And ultimately, um, what we said in the beginning ended up being true, that no matter who I'm speaking to in this field, we all necessarily, and it's hard to say this, <laughs> to, to use such um, definitive language around something that's that isn't the same all the time, but what is the same, what is there at the core, uh, what is this concrete idea of parenting at the core is connection. Mm -hmm. And if you're a parent who says, yes, but. Just I listen, to take that thought right there, that but thought, write it down and see if, it, if there's, a, is there any wiggle room in there? Just a little wiggle room. Is it possible? You know, so maybe there's wiggle room in there. <laughs> there's no yes, but it's like, it's connection. This yes. is it. We're getting to this conclusion over and over and over, over and again. Over there's again. a reason why. And if you're a parent that like, yes, but I'm going to read this many more books or talk to this many more experts because, you know, I haven't found my solution yet. I've seen this so many times, very intelligent parents who are very successful in lots of different fields of their life who are have been seeking the answer to why is my kid acting like this? How can I help yeah. them with the best of intent? And they're reading over and over and over all these wonderful authors. And ultimately what I am hearing and what I am reading and what I am perceiving is that it all begins and ends with connections and everything else happens within that. So yeah, I am definitely on this mission <laughs> to get the point across. And I, uh, so I'm very grateful that we were able to have this conversation and that we, again, get to this conclusion. Um, and the way you described it is a wonderful perspective. So thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. No, my pleasure, my pleasure. <laughs>